0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If this is your first time listening, the PK Podcast is a community inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $19 billion promotional products business. I'm Bobby Lee Hugh, uh with Robin Promotions, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co host, Mark Graham, CEO of Common Skew and Right Sleeve. Uh, Mark, how's the weather up there? Is it gorgeous?
1: You know, Bobby, the, the weather is. Is improving. It's been uh, very cold, and I know that Ben, who's of course in Vancouver, will probably make fun of me for this because he lives in Lotus Land, uh, where it's always warm, although raining a lot. But uh, it is it is about eight degrees Celsius, which I'm going to refer to because Ben, of course, is Canadian as well, and <laughs> we're going to call it. I don't even know what that would be in Fahrenheit, but uh, double it and thirty two. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Cold. Things are good. It's cold. It's
0: cold yeah. Fahrenheit. And and yeah. the voice you heard is the voice of Ben Baker. Uh, ben is with CMYK Solutions, and many people know Ben in the business. Ben is an experienced promotional products professional, and he has a lot of expertise, particularly in the area of working with government. So this is going to be a fascinating conversation today. Ben, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you very much. It's and, nice to be here.
0: And we won't hold it against you that you're that close to Canada. I mean, you're like, right, You you guys are two peas in a pod up there, even though you're like miles and miles and miles apart. Well, I'm probably realize- closer to
1: you, Bobby. Than I, I know.
0: Do you get tired? Yeah. You do you get tired of that. Us, us, uh, dumb Americans kind of may always making this that you're all from Canada as if you were like all from the state of Texas.
2: <laughs> well, it's true. It's just like, you know, it's Toronto, Toronto and Vancouver are further away than Seattle is from Chicago. So, or she, wow. Seattle is from New York. So give me a break.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so, Ben, I, 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 now the three of us know one another uh, because of our participation in the industry group Coffee Talk and mm-hmm. our friendship has blossomed over the last couple of years. And one of the things that I've always been uh, interested in as it relates to your business is this focus, this almost uh, um, this extreme focus that you have had over the years on the government sector. And when I think about my business with Right Sleeve, I think about how poor we have been in servicing the government business and we've almost just given up yeah, and almost won't to quote anyone in the government because we just have not been able to figure it out. Yeah. Now you, you built a really successful business around this. Can you I tell have. us a little bit of how that started and how you've been able to sustain this? And we can, we can explore it. Uh, once you, once you answer that initial question.
2: Yeah, no problem. I mean, our government business goes back almost 17 years. Um, and it, it really is relationship based. I mean, pretty much like anything else, it is extremely relationship based, and it really has a lot of word to mouth business. We tend to stay away from the large RFPS and large expressions of interest, and in, in the in, you know the massive jobs, based on the fact that you're right; those jobs are a black hole. Uh, the the ten thousand or fifty thousand USB drives that end up going at 8% and, and somebody comes in and does it at two and you get blown out of the water, yeah, that's not business I want, it's not business I need, it's it's not there. But there's a lot of business out there that tends to be under the $25,000 mark yep. that's profitable, it's relationship-based, and if you can build uh, a reputation of being the guy who can solve problems, make it easy for people... And you know, and just make it simple for them to do business with. It's amazing how that business can be lucrative, and you know, tends to be a quick pay business. So uh, it's we focused and, on. And for
1: do you years. find Ben that below. Uh, and Ben, do you find uh, you, you mentioned the word or the the number twenty five thousand dollars? Do you find that? That um, uh, below that amount, the the government uh, buyer has a lot more discretion, and they don't have to go through purchasing and getting it quoted through nineteen different people. Like they could basically cut a PO to you because they like you and they know that you're going to deliver the program effectively.
2: Yeah, to a point. I mean, you, you still have to go out for three bids. I mean, but you know what? If if you're known as the person that you know that takes care of people the people that are always deliver on time that stay within budget you know what it's amazing how a lot of those conversations tend to go away you know people have this have this yep. understanding of government that it's always the lowest bid well you know what it's not it's an it's an aggregate number based on how little grief is the person going to have by paying a little bit more money you know if if you have the reputation within the procurement you know people as being the guy that's, that's always going to stay with the budget, that's always going to deliver on time, and knows, knows their sweet spots, knows what, you know, what their purchasing cycles are and can take care of them. It's amazing how a lot of that conversation about, oh, you have to be the cheapest goes away.
0: Ben, how do you get into that type of business?
2: You know, it's a, it's a long, slow grind. As, as, I, as I said, I mean, my relationships go back 17 years. There was a woman that retired last year by the name of uh, Shirley that I originally knew through one of the, the health authorities in B.C., and she ended up going to uh, Health Canada. And she, I probably know about 120 or 130 people based on my relationship with her over 17 years. I mean, she was a really good advocate for me, to get me into conferences, to get me into relationships, to the federal government was working with the provincial government to make sure that I was part of the process early. So a lot of it comes down to meeting the right people at the right time and understanding the, the communicative process.
0: And just switching gears here a little bit, Ben, we'll get back to the government in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your operation. You You fly solo, don't you?
2: I do. I mean, we really are, I mean, we're the under-million-dollar company that's, you know, that's the solopreneur. You know, I have 50 clients across Canada. Mm -hmm. I have 50 clients. We focus on, you know, business that is relationship sales, that tend to be longer cycles, that tend to be larger projects, you know, and I don't get cut up in the minutia. I mean, I do anywhere between 100 and 150 purchase orders a year. So the jobs that I'm doing are are healthy healthier jobs and with with decent margin and it allows me to to run you know uh, fairly lean and be able to to have a, a series of suppliers that I can rely on that can help me on on a wide variety of things. You know, I'm so, hearkening
0: back to a conversation you and I had one time. You had, I believe, even a broader experience. Um, you've done the big shop. You, you, oh, yeah. You've been there before. What made what made that transition for you? I mean, what why did you decide to do what you're doing now? Because you've been there in terms of this large organization and large sales structure.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I had, you know, up to five years ago, I had a... Uh, partnership with a guy we had and upwards of 15 sales guys and 15,000 oh god you know no about 10,000 square feet of warehouse and you know forklifts and managers and shipping departments and all that kind of fun stuff and you found you were spending far more time on the minutia than you were actually spending your time in front of clients yeah um and you know when my my partner and I agreed to disagree, and he decided he wanted to take the company one way, and I didn't agree with him and you know I walked out the door and took my clients with me and it was it was at that point in time I really didn't know what I wanted to be, but what I knew is what I wanted to be was strategic with my clients, and I wanted to be able to provide them far more customized service and be able to you know spend more time delving into what exactly their business is on on a more you know below the surface view i want to be 50 feet underground i don't want to be i don't want to just be skimming the surface of of what a what a customer can do and i've built the business that way
1: you know it's interesting uh, ben that one of one of the themes that we've explored over the last uh, uh almost year i would say in this podcast is this this this, this idea of how distributors can get very unfocused as they grow, and they start to bring on uh, lots of clients, and all of a sudden, their service levels start to go down, and the amount of revenue they do per client starts to go down, and it's interesting to to hear you that's been in the business for as long as you've been, that you've been as focused and as, uh, as disciplined as you've been. Like You talk about 50 clients. You know, most salespeople will get bored of that and they would say, well, I need to get 300 clients and I'm going to go after them and it's going to be great and I'm going to build this business. And that doesn't necessarily work out all that well for a lot of people. So um, I'm I'm curious. The question in all of this, Ben, is I'm I'm curious about your journey in in all of this and, and how it is that you resisted the siren calls of wanting to expand beyond where you're at right now. Yeah.
2: I I think it's because I realize that if I want to grow an entity, you know, the size of a robin or the size of a right sleeve or whatever, I I know you need a partner. And I know that you can't do it on your own. You need to have (laughs) have the processes and the the philosophy in place. Well, you know what? Listen, there's there's that. There's the Geigers, the Halos, the Lee Waynes, there's all those different companies. But I'm talking, you know, companies that are in a different realm than I am. And you guys are, you know, part of that. You know, you're 10 times the size of where where I am today. Uh, but the difference is, is that you need to have a team of people that you can absolutely, totally rely on and you can put the structure in place to be able to enable that growth to happen until I can find a partner that believes in the same philosophy that I do, that understands that growth happens in... In a way that keeps the brand, you know, present in front of mind. I'm not willing to degrade the brand and, and degrade the the customer relationships I have just to, yep. just to grow the company. It, it's got to yep. grow in a it's got to grow in a way that it maintains the brand integrity, and that requires more than the more than a single person company. Go well, you, you,
0: yeah. Go ahead. Go man. ahead. Well, is is also that a, a personal choice that you've been there, you've done that, you know what some of that grief and opportunity is like, oh, yeah. and it's a conscious decision on your part to, you know, small is the new big to stay small. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's as I talked talk to somebody the other day that that spot between one million and about three or four million dollars is a horrible place to be. in in our industry. And it probably is in a lot of different industries. You're not small and nimble and able to react as as easily anymore. And you're not big enough to have the the horses in place to be able to run the engine as effectively as you'd like to. Um, So you're you're caught somewhere in the middle where you don't have the revenue stream to build the process of the things to run the same way as you would a ten million dollar company, a forty million dollar company, a hundred million dollar company. Um, so you either have to stay under that million dollar mark and small and nimble, and you know understand that when you're like that, you're building a business for yourself and a lifestyle for yourself, and you know that. And in twenty five years down the road, you know what? If you're lucky, your kid might take the business. If you're lucky. You might bring in a junior that ends up, you know, wanting to take a piece of the business. But more than likely, you're just going to walk away from it. You're going to close it down. You're going to say thank you very much, and you're going to live off, you know, whatever you built in terms of a nest egg. You know, that three to five million dollar business, you're probably making less as as an entrepreneur and as an owner than you were under the $1 million dollar mark because you've you've got all those people in place, but you don't have the revenue to support it. Once you get above the $5 million mark, then you can start putting the processes and the people in place to be able to move yourself to the $5, $10, 20000000 million
0: mark. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's maturity speaking right there. That's not an age comment. It's really just, hey, I've, I've been there. I've done that. I've been a part of it. I've seen it. I've been in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. And it's a conscious decision to build your business the way
1: that you want to build it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this reminds me, uh, We we uh, last week, uh, Ben, we'd spoken to Stacey Garrett, uh, who is with Southwick, and she used to, uh, in Portland, in, in your neck of the woods, actually, mm-hmm. um, and we were talking to her about this, about the journey that she had been on as a distributor owner for, I think, Bobby, was 10 or 11 years, and it was really cool to, to like, we could we we were it was so exciting to speak to her because she was just talking about how she was just in love with her clients and in love with this business and just in love with the fact that she was this small distributor that operated within a larger distributor environment so she she took a slightly different than you in that she decided to align herself with uh, the services of a mid-sized distributor in her local market to handle all the busy work that, that mm-hmm. she didn't want to do. But I, if, if, if I, my memory serves me correct, she is not doing 150 purchase orders a year. She was doing m- much more than that with an average order size of, 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 of uh, something smaller. So Ben, it sounds mm-hmm. like you've got this, this great formula of lots of business not too many clients and huge amount of focus, so maybe you yeah. should be doing this podcast, Bobby. You and I are washed up here, man. <laughs> Tell me about it.
0: <laughs> we're tired. That's what it is. yeah, we're when tired. Get, you get to the mic, we're tired.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I know sounds. I, but the thing is, but the problem is, is when I am doing a podcast with you guys, I don't have somebody in the background, you know, making phone calls and making the system work either.
0: So <laughs> true. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, we 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 do appreciate you, Ben. So, is there? Are, what do you? Um, you know are there what keeps you up at night ben you
2: know what what keeps me up at night is you know uh, for most most people it's the economy it's constantly changing the business when i started this business in 2008 no one saw where where the where the world was going over the next four to five years and you know that has allowed me to sit there and go okay where i am today is not where i'm going to be in five years from now it's not going to probably be where i am in two years from now so a lot of my time you know the uptime at night is spent okay where are my clients going what are they what are they you know what are they working on what's what's new for them and what are the challenges that they're facing and how can i help them we're just in the process. Actually, on Wednesday, I'm going to put a survey in the field of my clients. You know, basically a, a five-year stick in the sand. Where Where are you as clients? What are What are you doing? What are you doing differently than you did five years ago when we first, you know, started doing business with CMYK Solutions? And in a month from now, I'm going to put a survey in the field that's going to sit there and say, "Okay, how do you perceive us after five years?" Is you know, as CMYK Solutions? That's so. Good. It's, it's, it's my, what keeps me up is sitting there and saying, how do I stay in front of the curve to be able to sit there and say, listen, promotional products, advertising, marketing, all that kind of stuff is changing. It has changed. It will change. What's the direction it's going in you know compared to where it is today? I want to be able to be there and hold my customers' hands and say, listen, this is the new technology that's coming up. This is the new stuff that that you should be looking at mm-hmm. we're not there yet, but this is what we should be looking towards
0: no that's a that's a great tip. Ben. I kind of get the impression that you have done a great job at client retention um, mm-hmm. and that was a great tip on the surveys. What other tips can you share with the audience on client retention? You
2: know what a, a big thing for client retention for me is to stay in touch you know it is to have mechanisms in place that you're that you're currently you're constantly making sure that you're checking in with different people. You know, we, we do it in a, a, a lot of different ways. I mean, we have a blog that goes out that that tends to be well read. Um, I have a newsletter that goes out every single month, and every month I get about twenty four to twenty five percent of my you know, of my readership that actually. You know, opens it up and, and has a read of it, and it's never the same people. So you may not be able to physically get out in front of every single person. I mean, one of my clients has one hundred and ten thousand employees. I'm never going to get out in front of one hundred and ten thousand employees. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you can do is you can put mechanisms in place where you're just saying, you know what, I'm not here to sell to you. I'm here to give you some ideas of direction of marketing of philosophy and you know, things that you should be looking at, here's where I can add value. When you're ready, come and talk to me. And, right. you know, I don't spend a lot of time, in fact, I never, I almost never uh, send a blast out to a customer saying, look what's new and shiny and what's on sale. My clients don't care what's on sale. My clients care of what's going to work with the project and the program yeah. and the communicative message they're trying to put out, and that's the that's the communication I put out to my customers.
1: Right. Ben, we uh, we've had this uh, fun fun debate going on for a little while about uh, Facebook, and mm-hmm. you you know you're I've heard you're of that quite I've heard <laughs> of Facebook <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I don't think it's made its way to Vancouver yet. But uh, the, you, know, you it, know, for, it's those, for those people that, people that aren't on Facebook, yeah, well, it's they're all in Vancouver, I tell you. But uh, for, for those people that 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 are maybe wondering what this whole debate is that I'm referring to, um. Ben you you have been big on LinkedIn, you've been big on Twitter, you I think even to some extent have been big on Google Plus and then of course you also have uh, a great blog that we were just talking about. So you're clearly a guy who gets the web, you understand web 2.0, you understand it as an engagement and communication platform, yet you have almost gone out of your way to avoid Facebook and to um and So I'm curious about that for those people that are listening as to why you don't see, or in your experience, why Facebook has, you don't see the value in it as a business development platform for you. Yeah.
2: And the key word is for me. Um, Do I have customers that absolutely need to be on Facebook and need to be at the cutting edge of Facebook? Absolutely. Um, you know and, and we advise them on that you know through we bring on a couple of facebook experts and we and we bring them on board to be able to you know to push our customers when they have to do you know facebook engagement but when it comes to me personally facebook for me is such an animal that it that i need to have a strategy of facebook to be able to limit the contact that facebook creates because Facebook is is so out there, and so that 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 you're you're get, you're it's it's like having to me it's like having an ad in the Yellow Pages, you know. And I'm gonna you're starting to get a, a ton of inquiries and a st- ton of stuff of business that's not good for my particular way of doing business, you know. The 200 pens, the eight you know the 800 business cards, the whatever, that that's not what I'm about, and that's not what I need, and it just overexposes me. To an audience that I don't want to be exposed to, it doesn't mean that the Facebook doesn't have its place in the marketplace. It just doesn't. It's going to bring to me the clients that I'm not interested in.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, the
2: it, clients that I I'm on are the clients just that I want more involved in LinkedIn you know this, this more on its own, but I... plus. But that's that's a personal that's a personal sure. choice hmm. to debate that on. True. Absolutely.
0: By the way, you're, you're, yeah. you might not be in bad company. Well, then. and, and, uh, and I, I, think, I think at the
1: end of it... Go ahead, Mark. Well, if you're in Bobby's company, you're in bad company then. But you know <laughs> uh, what, what I was going to say is that I think it also comes down to sales 101. And you know, I, I know that I, I speak to a lot of people about social media, and I, I find that... Uh, You know, a lot of people forget the principal lesson of sales, which is you want to be where your clients are. You want to be engaging where your clients are. And if your client or your ideal client is not hanging out on Facebook, then why the hell are you spending your time there? Um, Exactly. So it's like if your client, I mean, uh, maybe a more old school example, if your client is a member of the local trade association and that's where they hang out and they they look for vendors and you're not there, well, then you're invisible. So. Uh, I think that that's important because there's so many people, I think, in this industry that get excited about all the new shiny tools and they end up fatiguing themselves and spreading themselves way too thin and not focusing. So I think uh, as much, Ben, as I like to make fun of you, and I will continue to make fun of you for this. <laughs> as you should. I think, I think I, as I should, come on, seriously. But I, I, I think all jokes aside, there is an important takeaway there that I think we as professionals in this business sometimes confuse the situation more than we need to. Yeah, very true. So good on you. Yep.
0: All right, guys, we are uh, heading to a close here, but we want to definitely ask our 10 questions, Ben. You ready? We'll work on them. All right. (laughs) So, Ben, let's start with the first one. What is your favorite word?
2: My favorite word? Ixwotanki. Gotta gotta love taxi.
0: Uh, Yeah, okay, you're gonna have to explain that one.
2: Oh, man, you guys, sorry, Mark, I forgot you're too young to remember taxi way too much ign- 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 ta- uh, Ixpotegi is keep ign- ta- spells backwards <laughs> now if you haven't watched Taxi you don't get that but that's okay
0: <laughs> okay room, desk, and car which do you clean first?
2: my golf clubs
0: okay <laughs> the fourth one works it's actually better favorite animated film?
2: My, fav- my favorite film has got to be Godfather okay oh it's so great uh, you got to make him an offer he can't refuse.
0: Yeah. Uh, favorite beverage?
2: My favorite beverage has got to be Corona.
0: Okay. First Mars visit. All right. You can only take the complete works of one artist and author with you. Who are they?
2: My f- favorite author. Let's see. Who am I, who am I reading lately that I, that I absolutely love? You know what? I'd
0: love to bring Seth Godin with me. All right. So, Ben, what excites you about our industry?
2: You know, what excites me about our industry is every year there's a brand new group of of freshmen that come into our into our industry bringing brand new thoughts and brand new views and brand new different ways of doing things and it includes both vendors and supplier suppliers and distributors and you know what they bring an in energy into the into the organization and they see things from ways that the old timers just you know, don't see it, and you know what? Sometimes they come up with something that's just brand new and exciting, and, and really, really neat to look at.
0: Yeah. Which profession would you not like to do?
2: I don't think I'd want to be an undertaker. Yeah.
0: Favorite app or software at the moment?
2: Oh, my fa- my favorite app right now is is gotta be uh, it's gotta be Dropbox. Dropbox is is I run I run my life on Dropbox.
0: Being on the run. Yeah It's great. I think we're experiencing a little bit of a lag in the tech here in case people are tuning in. they're like, "Wow, they're kind of slow up there, you know it's not It's not the Canadians, well, I promise you. It's not the cold, I promise you. It's just the tech. It, it, it always amazes me actually when we pull off a, a podcast with no problems whatsoever when you consider <laughs> what we are doing from the vantage points of where we sit and all that anyhow. Ben, it's been uh, great having you on Mark. Did you have any final questions?
1: no I didn't uh Ben I I know that we were saying before we pressed record that uh, we've been looking forward to this uh it had been about two or three months in the planning and uh thanks so much for your your time and your insights and I think you certainly represent uh uh a a large group of people in this industry that are really trying to figure things out from um from a solopreneurship perspective and also from selling to a niche audience and so it was all dynamite I really appreciate it
2: hey guys that was a lot of fun Uh, sorry for the tech issues but uh you know what? It's it's always fun to talk to the two of you guys, on and off air.
0: It's been great having you on the program, Ben. We really appreciate you guys. Take care. Until next time. All
2: right. Take care. Have Thank a
1: good day. Thank you, night. guys.